0: I'm Kim Grinnells of dogman.com and uh, I'm here with national recruiting analyst Brandon Huffman. We're up at May Madness Juanita High School up in Kirkland, Washington. A lot of athletes out here but uh, Brandon just uh, you know for those who are following recruiting give them an idea of calendar wise event wise you know uh, what's going on what can people expect out there Uh, you know just give me an overall picture of what's really happening out there at this point in time.
1: Yeah, at this point in the year, you're, you're now looking more at the college camps. There's been a lot of the, the shoe camp camps. There's been a lot of the uh, seven-on-seven tournaments, but now you're getting into college coaching camps. You're, you're getting camps on campuses, on the college campuses, whether it's you know UW hosting the Rising Stars in the first weekend in January, in, in June, or if it's events like the Northwest Showcase at the University of Pacific. A couple years ago, the NCAA put a stop to the satellite camps, so what they did allow was for one college to run a camp on and. An NCAA campus, but then 30 other coaching staffs could be a part of it. So they kind of took more control over those. So Northwest Showcase next week at the University of Pacific, Pacific University, sorry, uh, in Oregon, there will be about 30 staffs there. The same day that Washington's hosting the Rising Stars, and then two weeks later, Pacific Lutheran University and down in. Uh, up will be hosting a camp. Washington staff will be there. Eastern Washington staff will be there. Some other D2 and D3 programs will be there, and there's about 25 high school programs that will be there. So you're seeing a lot more high school teams traveling to camps as they really turn the calendar now to it being about your high school football program with spring ball starting here very soon in the state of Washington. Then you have the opening finals, uh, Elite 11 finals in the month of June and into July, and then you got a little bit of downtime until the football season starts. Is everything
0: geared up? I mean, are we winding down on the qualifications for the for the the opening yeah. How, yeah i mean what percentage is full is that right now would I, guess?
1: I would say it's probably about 85 percent full and the only reason it's not 100 percent full is you have the elite 11 finals next saturday and sunday where's that uh, at? in los angeles uh dylan morris has already been invited in fact there's two players from the state of washington going down dylan morris and kale millen uh but there's 24 quarterbacks invited to the elite 11 finals down in los angeles and then from there 12 more will make a uh we'll do enough to earn an invitation to the opening Not 12 finals. 12 more. 12, 12, sorry, 12 of, of that 24. Of that 24. So half that field will be whittled. It'll be whittled down to half. And those 12 will be the quarterbacks that go down to the opening finals and to a team for six teams down at the opening finals, which are now in a change up from years past we're in Frisco, Texas at the star uh, right there, the Dallas Cowboys practice facility.
0: How much different? I mean, they've moved this obviously from nike headquarters in beaverton oregon and they've moved it down to texas um what do you know about that how much difference is it going to make and how much politics or whatever was involved in that
1: you know i I think what it it came down to is it really dallas is a much more central hub i i know the cost that was entailed to travel everybody to portland you know nike might own the world but they don't know the airlines and they don't know the hotels and so it wasn't cheap to get people to fly. And it was one thing we always noticed with the recruiting team, when they'd be flying in from faraway outposts, how much more expensive it was to fly into uh, Portland, whereas Dallas is a hub. It's a major hub. And you also have the facility there uh, in Frisco. Um, One of the companies that's now a part of student sports that that owns it is uh, the company that it's one of Jerry Jones's holdings. And obviously the Frisco, the, the star in Frisco is a Dallas Cowboys property. So it's much cheaper. There's a hotel on site that actually connects to the star where the players will be staying as opposed to in years past when they were staying in Lake Oswego and they were busting in to Beaverton each day. So I think just from a cost standpoint, it made more sense to do it in Dallas because of its central location. Uh, but also I, I think it's you know, you're seeing a little bit more guys from the state of Texas being invited this year, and maybe it's just a coincidence. Obviously, te- Texas always does provide a lot of top-tier talent, but I, I did notice that there just seemed to be more guys from Texas going than maybe in years past.
0: Do you think this is going to be something that's going to be rotated around or is you think it's going to
1: be stationed? area in Dallas for a while? I would bet it's got to be a couple year deal in Dallas before they move it, but it could also be that there's so much construction going on at the Nike campus. I mean you've been down there the last three or four years it feels like they've been doing construction on that campus for the last three or four years Um, and obviously as they've expanded the campus and they've cut down on parking in certain areas and it's just, it was a little bit of a traffic jam getting in there and out of there and so I, I would imagine they won't bring it back to the Nike campus until you're probably seeing that campus completely built to where it needs to be and I would bet it stays in Dallas especially if they find it to be successful uh, in terms of you know cutting costs by flying into Dallas as opposed to Portland. But uh, it seems like the, the days of us driving down to, to Portland are being replaced now by us flying down to Dallas. So how do we get into the employee store now? In the that, Nike employee that, store? You know That was the one thing that they really did not take into consideration well, when once. they moved that because that was the one thing the media always got their credential that was their ticket into the employee store. So back to school shopping was always great, but now I got to be like a well, regular person. We'll have
0: to talk to Jen Cohen
1: about that adidas nike uh, adidas store passes hey i got swooshes on my feet so that was definitely a death blow in fact the the shoes that i'm wearing right now i bought the day after the announcement that they were moving the opening finals down to dallas because i knew that there were there went my chance of getting cheaper nikes down at the employee store so i had to go buy a new pair <laughs> and it was a bummer because i i was like stocking up on that
0: what do you think uh, going into the opening what's what do you think the
1: theme or the big storylines going into the opening down there will be You know, I think one of the big stories is just how good this 2019 class is across the board, and especially in the West. It it seems like this talent in the 2019 class is down in comparison to years past. Um, A lot of guys that have been invited to the opening finals that in previous years probably wouldn't have been because there were just better players, and depth-wise, there was... A deeper talent pool. So, it, you know, that's the a great equalizer in a sense is you get to see the top players from around the country going against each other in this environment rather than just top players in the certain regions going against each other in those regional camps. So you get a chance to see just how good this class really is. Um, and, and I think you also get to see some of those guys that maybe are a little bit more unheralded that end up going to the event and put it on a show and show that, hey, maybe they should be considered much higher up uh, than some of their peers at the same position. So I I really want to see some more guys emerge last year out west you had a couple of guys that were really dudes the year before that you had a dozen five-star guys and just about every single one of them played as true freshmen you know and right now even the top two or three guys out west brew mccoy kevon Thibodeau, you're just kind of like i mean they're good they're they're top tier guys but They're not the dudes compared to previous years. So I think this will be a good week, kind of a put-up week for the 2019 class and the select 2020 guys have been invited. Well, I
0: think, you know, one of the things that I get most when I was going down to the opening, it wasn't just looking at the talent, but seeing how the top-tier talent reacted being around the other top. The interaction with those guys is real. It's just, I'll never forget, Buddha Baker, Mm -hmm. quietest kid out there. You know, not the biggest kid. Nobody knew who he was until the end of day. One.
1: Yeah, and it was funny because I mean that team was the most stacked roster going into that week. You had him, you had Royce Freeman, you had Kyle Allen, you had Joe Mixon, all on that same team. And you know, Buddha was playing receiver that week. In fact, his team he was his team's athlete. So he could play defense, he could play offense, and you know, I told people he was our top guy on you know, we had him higher than any other recruiting side of the time. We were on the old network at Scout and I kept telling our guys I'm like, you know, don't look at just how big he is. Just watch how good a player he is. And I mean he made eye-opening plays each and every day. And I think that that's what's so great about that week is it's the best of the best, going against the best. And it really can separate kind of the men and the boys. And what I mean by that is you have some guys that, that show their dudes. They're alpha dogs. They're they're the alpha males. They are the leaders that everybody wants to be around. And then you see other guys are like, hey, it's a oh, guy... wanna be alpha dogs. Yeah. And they don't, they don't take any reps and they start pointing to their to their hamstring and saying it's their quad that's syndrome. Like you don't even know what part of the body is really injured. So you just really want to duck out of any of the competition. And that's always sucks because you want to see these guys compete. You want to see the guys that have dog in them. And a lot of times you see them dogging it more than you see any of that dog. West Coast recruiting, where are the strengths and weaknesses up and down the West Coast, including Utah, Arizona? Yeah. I would say the interior defensive line is really strong in this class. Obviously you got Fatui Tuteli, Siaki Ika who visited Washington this week. Um, saw him two weeks ago in Las Vegas at the Elite 11 Regional. He was fantastic. He was the MVP there. Um, you also have uh, Jacob Bandis who and, and all three of those guys are guys that Washington's doing really well with in the probably top five for each one of them. Uh, Bandis, top player in the Bay Area on on the defensive line, um, corner. It's a really strong class corner wise. Mikhail Wright, uh, Chris Steele, first two off the top of my heads. Um, you know, and, and then there's other guys that I like kind of, you know, that, that second tier that are emerging. You got a guy like Cam in who can play either corner. or He could play safety. I, I like the secondary class. I really like the defensive line class linebackers got some strength um you know quarterback it's generally a weak quarterback class out west there's a couple of top tier guys and then a couple of guys that are you know going to be really good with those clipboards in their hands and wearing headsets and a lot of career backup types in this class like you know you, you look at some of these past quarterback classes out west you saw some dudes you saw guys that were coming in and starting as true freshmen that 2015 class with you know Sam Darnold, Jake Browning, Josh Rosen, guys at you know, we're instant impact players or long-term impact players, but end up being a pretty strong class. Um, running back position is, is solid. Washington already got one of those in Cameron Davis. Um, receivers and tight ends are just okay, especially compared to last year. I, I really think there's a defensive strength, and this class is really strong on the defensive side of the ball.
0: Commitment wise, when can we start?
1: Are we at a period where we're going to see it slowing down, stagnant, picking up? I think you see it ramp up. And that's because you're going to start seeing more official visits happening in the next probably four to six weeks. As we head into June, more guys are going to take those official visits before the summer. You'll start seeing some decisions being made towards the end of summer and right into summer. And the official visits really help with that because now guys can still commit before their senior season. They can commit early in the process, but they will have the benefit of getting to take a few official visits. Usually in the past, you'd have guys that would only take one official visit, and it would be to the schools they committed to in the summer, and then all of a sudden they start to get second, you know, buyer's remorse, and they would want to look at other schools, and that's where you have more decommitments. It seems like it's been slower commitment-wise this year, but I think guys are generally wanting to take those official visits in the spring because that allows them to get a real good look at the schools they're considering, and then they make their decision rather than making their decision before they get the good look at schools. So I think the next four to six to eight weeks leading up to right after the opening is when you're going to start to see a lot more action and movement in commitments.
0: I got two more for you. Just trends that you're seeing, you know, just a couple of years ago, it just seemed like the rage. Everybody was looking for those cover corners. What's, what are coaches trying to find out there maybe that they weren't looking for more? They're always looking for edge pass rushers, but mm-hmm. they they don't exist. But, you know, what's the trends out there right now?
1: Well, I think you're, you're seeing a lot more scat back. A lot more schools are looking for scat back ties rather than pure power backs. It used to be that if you were 6'2", 220, you were heavily pursued by everybody. Now, if you're a big power back, you're getting less and less schools looking at you. You're getting Fewer schools that focus on more power backs. So if you're a scat back type, you're being you're seeing those guys get recruited a lot Chico more. Chico McClatcher because, type. Chico McClatcher, um, you know, guys that can do a lot of damage with their hands catching the ball out of the backfield. Be used can be used in a myriad of ways rather than you know just catching the ball or just running the ball. And the power of the 25, 30 a game carry guys that are between the tackles, you're seeing those guys becoming less and less pursued. I mean, if you are one of those guys, you're going to have quite a few schools after you, but you're not seeing, you know, as many of those guys now. Though you're seeing a lot of those guys kind of switching over to the defensive side of the ball. And I think that's what another thing you're seeing. You're seeing a lot of guys that, in years past, the West Coast guys wanted to play offense. Now you're seeing a lot more of these West Coast guys that are becoming more open to being defensive guys. A like Bru McCoy, who you know is a receiver and he's a great receiver, but he's starting to understand he's got a good chance to be an impact linebacker at the next level. And he's being more open to it. Five years ago, if you're a receiver, you were staying a receiver. You weren't playing any defense. You weren't ever going to try uh, to be a linebacker you were going to be a receiver all the way. And now guys are seeing the money being made on the defensive side of the ball. They're seeing more, you know, just instant opportunity to play right away. And I think you're seeing just more of an openness from West coast kids to start playing defense. One more. Uh, Washington's nat- latest commit Taj Davis. Mm-hmm. Give uh, Husky fans uh, your thoughts.
0: Maybe a little bit of a scouting report on Taj Davis. It you, seemed like his recruiting just really took off once he got a Washington offer.
1: Yeah, it, it did, and that was an offer interesting. He had been waiting for, even though he had Stanford and he had Cal. And you know, as we've seen in years past, once Stanford offers, a lot of time it's hard for other schools to ever pass them up. And he wanted that Washington offer. He had said that you know him and Cameron Davis, his best friend, it wasn't going to affect his decision, but it would definitely wouldn't hurt Washington. He got that offer. Ended up with one day. Where I think he got three or four offers in that day, and a couple other offers the day before. So he had like a week about five or six offers. But I think what you're seeing with a guy like Taj Davis is that you know he did not need to have all. He, he took some unofficial visits, he took some spring trips, but he did not need to to. Look long term. Once he got that offer, that was the one he coveted. It wasn't about racking up offers for him, it was about racking up the right offer for him. And he did not take much time after he got that Washington offer to go through the process. And, and I think that that shows the value of the Washington offer, but also that he was genuinely being sincere when he said, Hey, you know, there's certain schools that, that I really would like to offer. And if they offer, that will hasten my commitment. Um, a, a guy, I think a, a good comparison I made for him was Deontay Burnett, where, you know, he's never going to blow you away. With his speed, but he's fast enough. He still gets that separation. He's not super explosive when you look at some of the other receivers. But Deontay Burnett was a consistent pass catcher, minus the opening drive of the the Sugar or uh, the Cotton Bowl. You know, he was a guy that Sam Darnold was basically his safety valve uh, for a couple years. And I think that that's a good kind of comparison for Taj Davis, where he may not have that optimal big play, explosiveness, but he's consistently getting separation. He's consistently catching the ball, getting open, and, and making those plays. And, and I think he's a guy that you know really has his best football in front of him.
0: Envious of Brandon Huffman for a lot of reasons, but the one I'm probably most envious of is is what you get to do next. Oh. You get to go see your son play baseball a, tonight. You get
1: to go watch him play a it's, little bit of baseball. Y- and y-
0: you know, you, you make God, don't have to. It's, it's best time. It's it, the best, it, ever, you know, best ever. It's,
1: it's that... Thing where you know he's having fun he's loving it if he wins this game then our memorial day evening will be in a championship game if it loses my memorial day just became wide open so. Baskin Robbins or Cold Stone if he wins oh we're, we're a Menchies family so well okay. the, the whole team we have a Menchies in our neighborhood and every kid after a practice they have a thing where after a practice they get a double play in the game before the coach buys a Menchie so it'll probably be Menchies right. it's healthier for you too all right